0: Hey guys, Jesse here, to share with you your call to action. Encourage and inspire you on your business journey. So let's get to it. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to another episode of your call to action here on our YouTube channel, exclusive with Ez Chandra. He is Chandra. Chandra? Chandra. Chandra! Chandra With Ez Chandra from the amazing and beautiful agency of Glide that I am sure he will tell us a bit more. Just fill us in, man. Like, what is Glide and what's that all about? What you're doing?
1: Sure. Okay, so um, Glide Agency is a digital advertising agency. So there's a lot of digital agencies. We focus on purely on advertising um, online. And our strength is basically helping clients optimize their media spend to get a really good return on ad spend and really good ROI so they can grow their business, A, grow revenue and scale. So scale their businesses to double, triple, quadruple, whatever they need to do. Um, And then, yeah, and really grow. So we tend to work with a lot of online e-commerce clients mainly because with that sort of model you can track everything from click to sale. Uh, We also work with a lot of purpose-driven brands um, a lot of startups, um, and yeah, so it just lends itself to that, gravitates towards that that space in that space. Um, All right, cool. Yeah. That's pretty much what
0: we do. So I just I want to get your story because we've been I've known you. You you came and visit us back in twenty was it, 2018, it like about been, four yeah, years ago, ago. Yeah, years. and. I was like, wow, this is cool, and we didn't we didn't have many people come visit us at, when we were that small because
1: we were at you Dubai. were at the other warehouse, I remember.
0: Yeah, we were just in there with a whole lot of nothing. Well, a couple of things. So, but I actually don't know your story. I don't know about what made Ez Ez. So I, I'd love to get that, find out where it was. So, sure. I'm assuming Glide was not your first business.
1: Uh, and you would have had a couple more before. Yeah, right? I mean, I sort of uh, did a bit of uh, freelancing, so to speak, on the side. Alright. But I, was, I actually um, I didn't come from the business world, I came from the education world.
0: Really? Oh, so what happened? So What, what did you study? What was I, your degree?
1: Well, I did a degree in uh, multimedia uh, at Murdoch, but I also went on to uh, work at, the, at a university level, so I was doing a bit of teaching as well what year is what year was this uh look this would have been two thousand between two thousand and two thousand and sorry between two thousand and four and two thousand and seven
0: just right in the, before the financial crash
1: yeah, oh. so i actually started my i started glide on the year the g f c hit yeah. what why <laughs>
0: what whoa what happened there So. You were teaching at the schools, you are teaching at university. Yeah, uh,
1: uh, yeah. so I was, I was always in education, like um, really interested in learning. Um, I like the university environment, I like that environment of, you know, being able to learn on your own, being independent and like, I guess, discussions with academics and all that sort of stuff. So it's really interesting. Um, so I didn't come from the advertising world at all and then i went straight into business basically
0: what um, what motivated you to go that way what changed your mind to think i'm going to uh, work
1: I, I really enjoyed my degree i enjoyed multimedia working with you know graphics and working on Macs and doing 3d animation and all sorts of stuff you know i really loved that aspect of creativity but technical as well um, and then i thought oh, i really need to get into this space and and get out there so i I knew that, because when you're, when you're working at places like Curtin and, and Murdoch, it's pretty kosher. It's pretty, like, you, just, you, could, just you could do that for, like, 20 years uh, mm. if you wanted to and have a really great superannuation at the end of it. But um, I knew that just wasn't, what, that wasn't enough for me. So I left, and uh, I actually went and worked at another agency just to sort of, like, get, get some experience. Get yeah. some. I actually enjoyed it. I really liked it. I just didn't really like the person I was working for. Uh, <laughs> it was a horrible experience. Was he a bit of a douche? Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. And uh, yeah, just wasn't, uh, didn't have the great, greatest leadership skills at the time. Um, so I left, went and worked for someone else, um, and it was just me and this guy. And that business was actually called Glide. Oh, really? And then I bought into the business. Um, so he was, uh, what year was this? Oh, this was. 2007, 2006, 2007. So yeah. you
0: actually, as 2007, 2008 was going through, you actually
1: So I started, I yeah, I partnered with him and uh, we created Glide and which was more, because it was more like a business consultancy with a bit of graphic design So, and I was the graphic designer at the time and then I said to him, look, I think we can really grow this business um, you know, can I come in on it? And he said, sure. So I came in on it, and then we grew it. and um, it was, Which was good, because I had a bit of a foundation to work with, a little bit of a foundation. So, um, and yeah, and then we grew it, and then I, I bought him out, you know, uh, two to three years into it, and then I- Why?
0: Is it you guys just didn't have the same vision? Yeah, I
1: think, um, I, yeah, I think it was around that. Like, I think he had a style of working, and he had a way of working. Um, and also, like I think, in terms of long term, I really wanted to take the business in another direction, and it just wasn't agile enough. It wasn't. What were those two directions that was being looked at at that time? I think. Um, I think. It, look, I think he was in his fifties, and he was a lot older than me, and he he was in a different stage of his life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He was just happy to just have the business at a certain size. Um, and operate it in a certain way, and I, you know, respect for him for the opportunity to come in and do the business and, and and partner with him. But I think I was probably a little bit more driven, a little bit more passionate, uh, focused on the digital aspect of things, and just wanted to re- just really take the business into a, another space. It's funny when, when you enter a
0: business with another person, yeah. and you know what startups can be like when you enter into oh, a business yeah, with another yeah. server. Yeah. Like, you can get into some real heated debates slash yeah, yeah, straight yeah. up arguments. And yeah,
1: you can. And um, it, it, it wasn't like that. Like, we, okay. we got along quite well. Um, but I think it just... I think it just got to a point where, you know, I wanted the business to run in a certain way, that's all. And we just didn't quite, like... Agree on that. So you have
0: he had a certain lifestyle structure, and you had a certain lifestyle structure, and you guys just yeah,
1: yeah. And that, look, it was no hard feelings. It was cool. it was done, and I paid the shares out, and then we just got straight into it, and yeah. it was good. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of people that do come in here, and it's very stressful for buying out a partner or buying out a founder or co-founder. Yeah, 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 there is heaps of stories around this space. Yeah. So how did you? deal with that at that time was it
1: oh look i mean it was a, it was a long time ago but it was at that time it was a very um i guess a gravitous situation at that time when i think about it it's small compared to the things that i've been, <laughs> been through since but, uh, um yeah when you're going through it it's not it, it's not fun because it involves money every time there's money there's emotion there's what you feel is worth, business is worth, or that person's work it feels it's worth. Mm-hmm. And you've got to come to a common point. And there's a lot of tussling. But that happens in every, I guess, buyout or demerger. or You know what I mean? It happens in every business in every way. But I think the best thing to do is to sit down, come to an agreement before you sign that, that deal with that partner. Mm-hmm. And also talk about, oh, if there is an exit, what is it? involved yeah. and what would you be happy with and come to a, an agreement and get lawyers involved as well and you know
0: lawyers have to get in you reckon
1: Oh 100% yeah mm-hmm. definitely I think I one thing in my life I've learned is that you know having really good quality people around you is so critical in business having a really can I swear in this
0: fuck yeah you can yes. swear
1: <laughs> having a like someone that really looks at your numbers like, a fucking good, like, accountant. Um, someone that, like, a lawyer that actually has your back and cares about you mm-hmm. and, and your, your best interest and not about the time that they're charging, you know what I mean?
0: I totally get what you're So saying. I
1: think if you have people like that around you and, and maybe a mentor or a coach, whatever, like, if you have people like this when you're doing these deals, because they sound great and they often start friendly and... Um, in really, you know, they're, they're sort of like in the at the pub. You know, when mm-hmm. you're at the pub and you're having a drink, is oh, let's do this. You know, yeah, <laughs> let's get a business in, baby. Whatever. <laughs>
0: let's let's start this real this real estate company. Yeah, oh. yeah removalist yeah. business. So yeah.
1: that you you have discussions and then you start thinking about it and you think oh, cool, cool, cool. And then it gets down to the paperwork and obviously no one really wants to do that. They just want to get on with it. But the paperwork is that's that's where the detail is. Yeah. Um, I agree with so you. So, it's really important to gather those things like, like a shareholder deed, if you're buying shares like a, a, a an agreement between directorship, you know. So did or, you have that with this general No, well, the the problem at that time is that I was using his accountant.
0: Oh, so there was a bit of bias direction.
1: Well, I guess so. Like, So his accountant was sort of like my accountant, which was also the accountant of the business, which was also his accountant. So it was a little bit like... And then I think I realized in the end that that guy, although he showed care and interest, I don't think he really had my interest.
0: Yeah, he yeah, had the other guy's interest. Yeah,
1: he was just more doing his job.
0: And that was the situation that bubble
1: was in. Yeah, correct. Cool. So,
0: so you got through it, you end up know, working out a deal, and then what happened from there?
1: Well, and there I, I, I grew the business, um, and we went really into digital we started getting some really good clients. Uh, one of the key clients we signed was Bedshed and they had like 40 stores across Australia. And you know, when you get a good client, that's what really um, accelerates your uh, level of innovation in an agency, do you know what I mean? Like if you get a lot of small, small clients and you're just servicing based on quantity You're just more servicing based on productivity and efficiency, but you're not necessarily innovating and investing in people to really push the boundaries of what you can do. Whereas when you get some key clients, that's when you start going, okay, well, we need like a head of strategy. We need like someone that's really good at, with data, analytics, you know what I mean? Like you need to start looking at all the Depths of what digital can do. So that, that's what we did, we did that for many years. What, what year did
0: Benchhead jump on, do you remember
1: that? That was, I think, 2010 or, 2000, yeah, 2010.
0: Wow, okay, so like, just three years after 08, oh, really. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's a pretty good. Yeah, and then we had them for like four or five years or something, you know. Wow. We kept them for a while. But I mean, we, offered, we obviously had other clients as well. Of uh, course you know that piled on um, as a result of that win um, and then I think ever since then we've tend to attract it, like um, sort of well-known businesses in WA and Australia
0: uh, yeah so it's, it's interesting because like this channel being for e-commerce sellers and trying to build some amazing products and get it to the world and yeah, yeah. all this sort of jazz and And as they're doing this process, it gets um, they're going to meet with the process of, am I going to do this in-house, am I going to use an agency? My personal experience with agencies before has been, they are very interested to sign you up. Once you sign up, you build a relationship with one of the members of that team. Then that member of team is then having to direct workload to another team member in that team. And then it's it's a it can be a bit of a
1: counterproductive.
0: Yeah, you're like and then you're having to kind of wait for time to pass for results. And you wait for the time to pass. And then and, and, and at that time if you're outsourcing to be straight, you probably I didn't know a lot about advertising. But I was always arrogant enough to think I knew a lot, like we all do. Because we don't want to look stupid, yeah. but then um, with the questions we come up with and the, the interest of knowing more about it, we hope that the agency will have the time to be able to help uh, educate and, and. But also, we f- I found that it was a bit time uh, restrictive because they had they were busy; they were talking with other people. The agency was time. The was restrictive? agency yeah, was time right, restrictive, yeah, yeah, yeah. which then makes me feel like the availability isn't as high as, as I had wanted. And then it became uh, a misperception that I thought was there was not. Under And so what I found is that when I did communicate with some of them, it was never yours, it was the others, uh, one or two, they would be very happy and talk about the win of bringing on another client and tell me about the win and make me feel like, oh, dude, we just brought on another business it was amazing it's like oh good for you but what about us <laughs> we got we got stuff to do too and then and, and i get the guy's riding on a high from yeah, yeah, a yeah. deal he probably just locked in but then it, it, you feel like you're being diluted down of the person's yeah. cranium space so then it then you feel like well is this the kind of situation i want to be in do i is this person genuinely have my Full 100% interest in what I'm trying to achieve, or is it split across, you know, 10 or 20 other businesses? And that kind of is the experience I had. Well, you're on the other side of the fence. No, so no. What, what I, I,
1: say? I um, so I agree with that. What you're saying, and um, it actually happens uh, every day. And it's interesting because we actually get a lot of clients coming to us because of that reason. Mm because they're another number in their agency. And um, I guess a lot of agencies are focused on on width and not depth. So what that means is that, like you said, they were celebrating a win. So for them, winning and celebrating and getting another account and getting another account and growing and growing and growing is the mindset of everyone in the business, you know what I mean? So. Which is great for the people in the business because they're growing and it's great for the business because it's making more money. Um, but then you just become another number as a client because you're, you know, one out of 100, then one out of 200, then one out of 300 and so you're being spread really thin. Which is very, very common in agency world because again it comes down to the leadership and it comes down to people that run those business businesses if they're more sales driven, if they're more driven on like acquiring more customers and more customers each month and not focused on like servicing, relationships, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely makes sense. So, and I guess the reason why we're a little bit different is because of that exact purpose is that we actually don't just sign everyone up. Like we actually say no. um, And we're afraid to say no. I mean, sorry, we're not afraid to say no. Not afraid to say no. Uh, we're not afraid to say no. Um, you know, we just had a client the other day. Um, we put the proposal through, and every we had lots of meetings, lots of discussions. They came to our agency. We presented. We did a full audit on their account. We spent a lot of time. We put the proposal forward, but then when we got the comment, when we got the feedback on the proposal, there was some flags and that's when we thought okay look we're just we're just the trust is not aligned so you know um we we we, we can't we're too busy we're not going to be able to work on this Mm. and dedicate our resources to to what you need does that make sense rather than oh yeah negotiate let's negotiate let's try and make this work because what were the
0: flags you What's Flags for you? Yeah, yeah. What do they look like? We'll go
1: into it, but I mean, yeah, cool. it was just more um, the fact that we're more, um, we value more the relationship versus just getting another client on board. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's about with, uh, sorry, it's not about width, it's about depth. So we, we want to like get clients that, we want to work with clients that um, are really keen to build a longev- longevity type relationship versus just getting some quick wins, and for for us having to prove to them that we're we're good enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, some of the issues were. I think some of the. It, it's good because in our business, we've been doing it for quite a few years, and it, when you put a proposal through, that proposal. It's well developed, you know, it's taken years to kind of tweak it and fine tune it in terms of how you present content, information, pricing, everything. And even your pricing model, like you've got your pricing model. Every business has got their pricing model. But that's quite structured, do you know what I mean? Like it's package A, B, C, this is how it works, you pay deposit or whatever it is. But I think when people start coming in and negotiating your pricing model, or changing it, wanting wanting to change it to suit, their, to suit their experiences in business. Maybe they've been burnt or maybe they don't want to take the risk. That's when there's warning signs. Because that's like, if I did business with you, that's your pricing model. I'm not going to change it. I respect it. That's why we're doing business, because you've got your contract. You've had your lawyer draw that up. <laughs> you know, you've established that. It's taken you years to set up this warehouse. So my respect to you is, okay, I trust what you're doing. Let's do it. Mm. I'm not going to come in here and say, well, why are you charging me this? And can I pray half for that? And I get
0: what you're You're saying. saying. So it's like, this might sound a bit racist, (laughs) but it was my experience when I was in India. (laughs) It's like you go into a merchant's facility, merchant has the price on on the tag. This is very this is. Yeah, it can is, be a cultural I, thing. Yeah, and then yeah, it's so. like, okay, okay, I know you charge twenty, but look, i give you ten today, okay? No, 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 not ten Yeah, 000. Yeah, yeah. I I sometimes 15. No, 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 no.
1: sometimes we like, that's a cultural thing, but on this on this occasion. In this it wasn't. occasion,
0: this is more but, like I spend time to build this document within a way to take in all my true costs and, and all the overheads that I have to pay for. And these if I bring you in, I know my costs will be managed well. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not paying for that. I'm not going to pay for that. Will, I'll give you this, but I'll do it in this time frame. Yeah, yeah. And then that kind of thing's like... I don't know, yeah, and so then funny. it gets
1: messy. Because if you start doing that at that stage, imagine what it's going to be like once you start working with them. And the thing is that I'm not the one that calls the shots. My team does. So my team goes, oh, I just got this email or oh, this doesn't feel right. And I'll go, okay, well, if it doesn't feel right, then don't, don't go ahead. Do you know what I mean? So... I listen to them more and the thing is it really pays off because if they call the shots they are much happier to come to work because they're working with clients they enjoy working with versus working with clients because the boss signed up the deal and they're forced to, to do it. I see yeah. what you're saying. It's yeah. that
0: that thing right there is a whole other play. Yeah. So <laughs> I, and I want to break that down like so but and, that's I, why it comes and I'm going to I'm gonna to totally come back to that. So you're, you're in this space where you're building this business up. You're, and you're, you're, you're getting some good businesses to come and join you and you're around, you know, 2010, 2011. What, what happened to the business from there? What happened Well, I think forward? from
1: between then and now, I mean, that was 10 years. Yeah. That's a 10-year gap. It's a decade, mate. Yeah, it's a decade. I think uh, the, the business has completely transformed. Um, what was it then? And then what I was think it the today? I think the big difference is, the big key differences are the change in technology. Because you know, our industry has been disrupted by massively. But I always knew it was going this way, so I always was gearing up for it. Does that make sense? Like um, I was always gearing up for a data-driven, analytics-driven e-commerce transaction tracking everything. Um, optimizing campaigns. I was always going for that. But we were we were too early in the piece when we were doing all of that stuff. Like we were talking to clients and about spending, you know, four grand a month on Facebook advertising or Google ads and they would just some people would get so angry they'd walk out of the room, you know. Wow. <laughs> but um, Why?
0: Because it just Oh, because they just couldn't education.
1: fathom, yeah, especially in Perth market, like people couldn't fathom spending that much money on digital. But now, like, we don't even have that conversation. It's not even like, it's like, what's your budget? And how can you guys help us? And give us, give us, give us advice on what we should be doing. Because we don't know, like, should we be spending 2,000 on Google shopping? Should we be spending 10 grand on Facebook? What, tell us, like guide us, do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think the market has changed like, massively. Um, and so there's not really an education piece anymore. I mean, people still want to know, they still want to learn and know, but you don't have to spend as much time, I guess, taking people from you know, zero to knowing, because they do know that online is important. They just need to know how. Mm. You know? So that's one thing. And the other thing is people, so we had we were in a transition between traditional advertising, which is graphic, graphic design. We did a lot of graphic design work,
0: oh like prints on newspapers print and stuff. stuff.
1: I mean, this is back in 07. You know, like if you, you can imagine between 07 and uh, early 2010, we were doing a lot of you know brochures and branding. And stuff. was
0: the yellow pages still a thing then? Uh, I think it was on its way out by that stage.
1: Uh, yeah, it was. It's, it's slowly been, <coughs> gradually. Now it's virtually. It's just all online now. But um, okay. yeah. Um, so there was that, and then so people, the transition between that that world and hiring the right people and moving into digital, and then sourcing digital is also really. Um, sorry, resourcing digital is really. Um, there's a lot of investment outlay in that.
0: What do you mean by resourcing digital? What does that mean?
1: Well, you know, if you look at it, if you need a good team of digital specialists from um, a web, from your website, to your analytics, to copywriting, to um, uh, campaign management and organic and social. Like if you're covering all of those things, that wage bill is at least a million dollars.
0: Fuck, why? <laughs> why Why is that a million dollars?
1: Well, if, you... You, if, you're, if, you're, if you're getting all of those people in your team, you're looking at... Hang on, hang on
0: For you, a million bucks for No, I'm just
1: saying for anyone, not just for me. I'm just saying if you're getting a good specialist in each of those areas and you're getting a team around those specialists and you're, you're like, cause you, you can't just have one web developer building a website and then that's it. You've got to have a team. You've got to have a project manager. You've got to have a web developer. You've got, a, you need to have a, a, a junior web developer. If you have campaign managers, you need to have um, junior campaign managers and senior specialists. If you have, do you know what I mean? So you have to have a team of people to structure the work around each area. And by the time, to do it well, to do it well. And by the time you do it, yeah, you can easily, your, your wage bill will be between three quarters of a million to, to above, in this market. Yeah.
0: So, in, yeah, in the current market. Like, like, if you want
1: to do it properly. And that's the thing, and I think a lot of agencies have in-house the digital. And it's been inexpensive. I know some agencies that have done it, and then they've had to give it up. Ooh, that's interesting. So, um, what do you mean by that? Like, so you're, when you're- If you have a traditional marketing agency, and they've got 30 people on their books, and then you add a digital team, that's another, that's a lot of people. And then you've gotta get everyone earning revenue (laughs)
0: <laughs> effectively and that's where that that dilemma comes in billing like, time yeah so it's kind of like most services where you you hire someone and you hope that they're going to make it two times or whatever you, you spend on them for what they're in for right like is that kind of the aim like yeah i think a, yeah, we
1: we try and we try and do three you go
0: for a three
1: Ooh, hoy. yeah we try and <laughs> do three. Oh yeah no we we we, we do do that wow um, uh, that's usually the rule. That's the aim for. That's what the rule is. And then you... Sorry.
0: And so in that approach, right? Like, okay, let's, let, I want to understand this better. So if you go like, you got those people in the team, they're, they're there ready for work to be produced. It's, there will be a little bit that's for the agency itself, but the bulk of it's going to be for the people who have agreed to work with your services. They come in, they provide their, their requests you quote them on the request based on the expectations. You're talking about clients. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't like using the word clients. Right. <laughs> Customers. So I usually call them people, because <laughs> it's just me. It's just me. I like, it's just a thing. Um, and as they come through, they're like, okay, I I am looking for a landing page. I'm going to look for uh, advertising to come through. I'm not very good at creating content. I need you to help me with content creation. Blah 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 blah. Gets it all in, and then you're you're passing it to a project manager that says, all right, this is project one. All right, then this is project two, and this is project 26. And then you've got all these projects, and then you're having to put them in a chart sh- system or something like this. And then weekly or monthly reporting? Is that kind of how it goes?
1: Well, we, we work a little bit different. Yeah, how do you do it? So when it comes to projects, like building projects like websites and stuff, yeah, typically you will have a, web, a project manager to, to keep the communication, that's super important, and then the developer. That's really all you need, is a really good project manager and a web developer. The web developer just Smashes builds. it out. Still good at communicating, but Bills. Our project manager's job is to keep the client updated and collect the brief and make sure everything's done properly, et cetera, and on time. Um, with campaign managers, that's like, that is typically what an agency would do, is the same campaign manager would build and they're the technical people. And the account manager will be the liaison between the, the, customer, the person <laughs> and, and the, um, the team. Right. What we do is different. So we actually have our campaign managers dealing directly with the clients. We don't, we, we have the account management aspect is in line with the campaign managers, so that way our campaign managers, A, it's a speed thing. We feel like if customers speaking or if our clients are speaking to the campaign manager directly, they feel actually better nope, because that makes sense. they're being heard. Yep. B, Up to they're speaking to the expert directly and they're not getting Chinese whispers and stuff like that, which is mm-hmm. what happens in the, in the agency world. And I understand that that models come from the traditional model like that. Traditional advertising oh, model is that where it started. Yeah, you've. I mean, it, that's yeah, that's how. It so works.
0: this used to be how it was for print ads and and oh yeah, TV, it still is now. It still is
1: now. Like every agency has an account manager and mm. but what we try and do is we try and we're finding that it's a lot better when custom, when our clients can speak can work directly with with the specialists. Um, and that's also a good thing because the specialists aren't looking after a hundred accounts. They've got their own set of clients that they focus on.
0: It might be, what, three or four or five?
1: No, it'll be more than that, but it would be enough for them to... And then once they hit capacity, that's when we we go and hire another specialist and then so forth, yeah.
0: What is considered capacity to you? Like, because, like, I'm assuming the person, the developer, whoever it is, should know the people by name, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Not by company and all this sort of jazz. Yeah. And, and I know that, I know what it takes to make this content here. Like, to, if I was to throw four or five or six, like, if I got to 10, I'm like, we're tapped out. That, that would be my impression. But what was, what's your definition of a single person being um, maximized and then starting I, I, to lose it at the phrase?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I do is I try and keep the communication pretty clear between uh, myself and the team. So I try not to put any hard metrics on it because it's not, oh, you know, at 20 clients, we can get this. It's more a balance, a careful balance between how much media are you looking after? Um, what revenue are those clients generating together? Um, and how, how are you handling everything? You know, how's, how's things going? How's your communication? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Um, yeah, yeah. And if they, are, if they hit capacity, they tell me. Um, but you will get some people that can't obviously handle as much work as others.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: But what we try and do is we, we tend to get people that are highly motivated. So when they come into the agency, we don't need to motivate them. We don't need to um, push them to self-manage. add more clients, add more clients. like they'll take them on because they want to. Mm. And this is the thing, like when you hire, um, what I've learned is that there are actually people out there that are already motivated. You don't need to motivate them mm. and they're the people you want. <coughs> so if you can get people like that on your team, then it doesn't, the, the question of oh, what's, you know, how many accounts does each person manage is not even a question. It's more, you know, what do you guys want to do? Mm. Are you happy with the workload? Can you take on more? Sure, yes, no. No, okay, well let's back it up and look at for more. Yeah. See the thing, I, it, we're in a different
0: industry, but... Yeah. So the, I operate a challenge... lot differently
1: than, than most yeah. Yeah, agencies, yeah.
0: Even though we're in a different industry, we, we operate with the same, type of model metric in this regards to serviceability levels. Mm. So I'll just smash the mic there on my chest. So as we're like, as e-commerce businesses bring their products here at the warehouse, yeah. the team that are doing the packing process, yeah. we we tested what is what's limit. So the average limit right now with the current software we have was yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about 110 orders per person. We we pushed it to 180 per person, yep. and we had stress. We had people crying. We had people just really super upset, and bitching about other people not working as hard as them. Yeah, all that stuff starts to bubble up to the surface, and then, and all I could think about is those those reports I hear about Amazon workers losing their shit, or or people in South Korea dying because they overworked. And this it becomes a lifestyle balance. need, needs to be there. And so we recognize, all right, at the current software system, 180, never ever again. (laughs) So we have to bring in enough people so that the level stays around 110 per person. So that way, like you said, they come in, they process those orders, they're talking to um, our users who are using uh, the service to be able to ship those orders out and write to them in a way that they still love them. Not write to them in a way that like, you fucking asshole. Oh, I it's fucking like hate a that I've me slowly.
1: A one sentence sort of response. Yeah. One line response. One liners, yeah.
0: So in the same approach, I'm assuming like if we're real with each other, like developers in your team, I'm sure if they're creating all this content and they're overworked, they they don't appreciate the hand that feeds them. They start wanting to smack it. You know what I mean?
1: Well so No, it's true. Mm. However, yeah. Um, I mean you
0: know, they never say that.
1: No, 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 yeah. I mean, campaign, the campaign manager's job is accountability. So that's, that, that. they wear that on their shoulders. When they come in the morning, the guys are like, oh, they look at the results and they compare with each other. and say, oh, i got 7X and this guy's like, oh, I've got 14 ROAS on my campaign. So they're, they're kind of like, they take pride in that, right? Yeah, right. So if, at the end of the day, if they can't pr- deliver the result, then they're not doing what they're able to do and the result is ultimately what's really important on top of that it's the client relationship if they can't nurture the client relationship or if they can't keep the client on side then that's also a problem
0: yeah yeah yeah.
1: if you if you're stacking up client after client after client and that obviously that serviceability drops and that this is what happens with a lot of agents so many but going back to your example of the 180 Per person is 180 units yeah
0: how many orders going out the door so this and is, is what happens
1: with a lot of companies right so an example of what you did was you became metrics driven because you were like what's the number yes. your focus was the number mm. right and a lot of companies do this they focus on how many accounts can we get how many what revenue can we hit this month what what's the number that we can get to per person what capacity can we push right mm. And when you become number focused, it builds a culture of, okay, we've got to achieve, we've got to achieve, we've got to achieve, and then when you can't, you fail, and it becomes short-term. It's a short-term game. It's not a long-term game. A long-term game is not not just numbers driven, it's based on people, it's based on culture, it's based on goals that you all come together and you Mm -hmm. think about and it's based on, you know, the environment. It's, it's based on a lot of different things, but it's about the long-term game.
0: I agree, yeah, do you know I, know do agree. I, mean? I do agree. I do agree with you. And <coughs> when
1: your staff are happy, if you set those goals in place, if you set those core values in place, and you have a really good culture, and if your staff are happy, you, you will end up making money anyway.
0: Oh, that's, yeah, yeah that's a given. Yeah.
1: Like, so I think that's the key difference is that in business it's good to like understand the numbers and know what you can do per person that's Mm. coming on board but at the same time there has to be a human element
0: I do agree with you completely on that I'm I I just want to make sure we're on the same page here because like I didn't it wasn't the background of that 180 was that my wife uh, had to look after our son because he just got super sick and then he, she had to pull out of the operations team for a while. And then then there was three people to having to deal with the capacity of that daily average. And when there was only three of them, yeah, they were like under the pump. And that's, that's a straight up understaffing scenario.
1: No, but it's, a, it's an example of like... When it wasn't you push? No, no, no. But I'm, I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah. But and that's exact, yeah. It's
0: cool. And what I mean was like it, it was interesting to see because bef- before she left, we said, okay, guys, Vin's not gonna feel too well. My wife, by the way, she, um, she's not gonna feel too well for a while, and she's going to take care of our baby and make sure she's gonna have some some time down to just do some family stuff. And and our team's like, yeah, we okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this. A week later. Oh, it's so hard. And it's like, okay, okay. And then and then you go for a hiring round and you start bringing more people to make everyone like, all right, we don't want everyone here until 6.30 in the afternoon <laughs> processing orders. And so it was like, in that sense, and you know, it's a growth thing, you know? Like you it is a growth in. thing,
1: but I mean, all business owners go through it. Like, oh, absolutely. I mean, but I, I know, uh, you know, another agency that's uh, very much metrics driven and a bit like that and they do have a lot of staff turnover do you know what i mean see but um, that's
0: so expensive staff turnover
1: well yeah and that's the thing and it you your staff burns out and people leave in droves you know because they just you're just taking too much on you're focused on metrics you're not focused on again you're focused on you know what i mean
0: i really want to know the name of that business so <laughs> to steer people away from the quality of service no no, no but it
1: i'm um, i'm um, um, <laughs> That what I just said is so common in our industry like it happens across a lot of different agencies so how... um, It's not just that particular agency like it's, it's yeah. a common especially in digital especially in digital It's a very common thing. Yeah,
0: it's it's just because people don't have enough knowledge about there's how a do lot of it.
1: churn There's a lot of movement in agency world people moving from agency to agency because Of that burnout.
0: Yeah, you remember Simon who used to work here. yeah Hey Simon, if you are here, um, he got poached by the Bonfire Boys, and he because he was working here with us, uh, Bonfire offered them offered him uh, a higher salary package than what we were offering, and it was just a straight up yes please, and then jumped ship to that agency, which I totally respect because he's in another lifestyle situation, wants to get a house, yeah, yeah, yeah. get settled down, and. it was amazing for him and we supported him on his way but it was just interesting to see that they're they're quick to jump across each other based on a cash point
1: oh yeah and i I was like wow i mean that's an interesting scenario so when we put a job up we obviously get a lot of applications of different people from different agencies different um industries or even just brand new into the industry and um, sometimes we do get people that come in from other you know well-known agencies and we ask and, and we ask them all the questions and they they're good at what they do you know what I mean they're, they're really qualified for the role mm-hmm. um, but then we kind of go well, well why are you coming you know why are you coming across and it's like well I'm really happy there. Um, everything's really cool, but I just don't feel like I'm valued enough. Like I want more. Basically, I think that I deserve a higher salary or whatever it is, right? I just need to get go to the next level. And we get that. We understand that because when you're a, in a bigger agency, you're like another number, and everyone wants a pay rise. <laughs> Let's face it. Yeah, everyone wants 120k <laughs> a year. <laughs> um, but. I guess the thing is, if you take someone on because you're willing to pay them more, then that person will leave because they're willing to get paid more somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So... And then you set a standard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you set a standard. So, like, when you take people... So, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're if you desperate and you need that person, that's great. Mm. But then be aware that
0: they'll leave you that for that, the same reason they came Yeah, from. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, so going back to your story, which it is, it, it all connects, of course. So you're in the stage where you're transitioning across. And I remember you touched on really briefly when we actually did a presentation. I went and spoke at Ez's channel, which I'll put a link below. You should totally check that out if you want to hear me blah, blah, blah on. But he's got a great channel, so we'll definitely look at that. As you were sharing before, uh, before we were talking, you were saying like how talking about team and like you're in a good place with your team now and and i'm i'm guessing between that 2014 space to today you went through some team arrangements or like oh yeah yeah i mean i've made
1: lots of mistakes and hired made terrible hires and um yeah been through lots of people let's
0: do a micro fuck up (laughs) night let's talk about (laughs) it What, what happened
1: uh oh no it's it's just um a lot of the things that we've already discussed, really. It's just hiring people um, and, you know, hiring hiring people that are really expensive because you need to, because you need to invest. Um, hiring people who are not necessarily the right culture or the right fit or, you know, not knowing what your culture and your fit is and then hiring people anyway. Was that something you learnt through during those? Oh, yeah. I mean, I never really understood all of that stuff, you know. I just knew that I had a vision and knew that I had a type of business that I wanted to build and I had to get some people to to help me to do that but um, now it's more about understanding what our values are what our you know what our core purpose is as a business and then when and that helps with the hire that helps with making sure we work with the right clients you know so it all kind of sings if that makes sense so yeah that's it's more of a cultural alignment aspect versus mm. that that created those mistakes yeah yeah so
0: was there anything that was interesting that happened in the last five years as you were growing up, like that you could share a story or two in that process that, or that, uh, or that tra- was there any transition?
1: Oh, yeah, the there were some massive uh, transitions, um, yeah, just mainly people, I think just um, in terms of our team, um, we still have a lot of people in the agency that have been there for like, you know, five to 10 years. Um, they're still there. But there's, I guess that core group is still there. Um, but there's a few people that have come and gone. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's now, it's more, a, a lot more of a, a tougher focus and more precise focus on the people. Um, looking after people. Um, more of a leadership type I spent a lot of my time in a leadership role. Yeah, Um,
0: so were you more on the tools five years ago? Not really, I wasn't on the tools,
1: I was just more, I guess, focused on, you know, keeping up with the operations and the day-to-day and servicing clients. And I was more client focused actually, to be honest. So you're more in the sales role space? In sales but I was also getting involved in client servicing like servicing of client accounts and things like that the bigger ones you know Um, and yeah I became focused more on the client which was interesting because a lot of businesses say you've got to be customer focused because that was my mentality I need to be customer focused (laughs) but um, the the, actually the key is people the more focused you are on your own people the better your the better that your customers um, will get out the benefit from that service the agency is providing or the business is providing. You know what I mean.
0: You touched on that something being a leader, and this yeah. is probably something um, when you're when you're the CEO of a of a business that's in the e-commerce space for the first three to four years, mm. you're like focused on products, mm. focused on product cycle. Mm making sure your lead times are going to be in enough ample supply, talking with the manufacturers, making sure that product doesn't have many quality issues Correct. as yeah. they get through. Yeah. And that goes on for a while until okay. they reach a level that they're happy and the thing just keeps turning. And then they keep innovating and tinkering and no, no, no. So usually they're quite creative in that approach. And, then they, and, and I know you and I both know a couple of those people here in Perth. One I'm thinking of is, um, is Jing. She's one of them too. She, like, she loves to just work on the creativity of the products, but the marketing side is something she'll put aside. And there's also Jared from the Jack Stillman guys. He's the same thing. Loves the creativity of the products and how the bag looks, and, but it wouldn't touch it. Jai, same thing. But then people like Jai and that they'll take on the advertising side mm. or the content creation process. You mean from
1: Brand Booster? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
0: and the, the interesting thing is is that it, and it, it, it happened to me and I'm sure it probably happened to you too you want to have knowledge in the skill before you'll pass it to somebody else because then you have confidence to know what is considered a good person at the skill right so when you were talking about before uh, if my team member, does not feel comfortable with taking on a certain uh, business, you will back the team member in the support of that decision. And some people will like, well, may override that because of that person's a friend or this person um, has been with us for a while and I still want to keep this business going, yeah. all these things. So when, when did you gain, or how do you know when is the time to trust and release compared to keep holding on, which you know we all suffer as as owners. It's a good question. That yeah, process. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I guess when do you know when to do it? Mm. Well, I think <laughs> as soon as you start doing it, that's when you that's when you can really uh, grow the business and build a good and build a good agency or build a good business in general. In general so the it's not so much how do you know when to do it it's like you should be doing it anyway that's what i believe because i think if you can support like your number one thing as a business owner is to support your team and to be there for your team and if they feel like you've got your they've got you know you've got their back if they feel that that makes them feel almost like they'll they'll be very motivated, they'll be very um, I guess encouraged that they're doing the right thing and they enjoy themselves and they're working in the right environment and they'll do the right thing by you because you know, they know that you've got their back, if that makes sense. Um, whereas if you don't let go um, or if you don't trust, it becomes a, it's a trust thing as well. It is. And it's also an ego thing.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, because a lot of business owners, you know, they feel like, you know, they're the specialists, they're the ones that know the best, and it's a standard thing. It's like, well, you need to meet this standard before I hand this to you. And once you meet that standard, then I'll give it to you. But I think you've got to let go of that ego, and, you know, it's, it's people at the end of the day and they have their standards. And the thing is, if you hire good people and people that are really skillful, skilled at what they do and smart, their standards are gonna be a lot better than yours. <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> and if it isn't, then something's wrong. Do you see what I'm saying? So I think if you hire the, make the right hires, but then if you trust and then also make sure that the people are of a good standard, You'll start to realize that your standard was subpar compared to what they're doing
0: because they start doing it all day where it was <laughs> they do it all day, day. but the, the results
1: yeah. they produce the work that they're producing at the level the intensity the, the you know the, the knowledge the way they're able to solve things is at a far greater depth I mean I, there's, I, I couldn't even do some of the things that my team does there's no way I'll never claim that I I can <laughs> yeah, so. bro that's beautiful
0: I, I admit i I get in a i get there is, oh, how do I say this I get super anal about the things I know well, and I do want to lift the standard of the things I know well up to a higher standard. so you, I, you enter into this kind of no, mentor no you, yeah, you do need to position. you
1: look don't get me wrong, you do need to set, set standards with your mm, team mm, mm. That's uh, as a leader. That's your job. Your job is to know what the st- overall standards are. But then once you hand that, once they understand that, you just got to let you got to let go, and get, let them do it. Mm. And, and it's at the basic level. It's not like
0: oh yeah, it's
1: like this is sub. And if you go
0: past that, do you ever come into a point where it's like
1: uh,
0: how to say? You're okay with the fuck ups that happen oh, when yeah. you let them go? all
1: the time, yeah. all the time, and we had a situation... scare a lot of people, you know? We had a situation where one person in the agency... Uh, it's, I won't go into it in detail, but because of that mistake, we lost $9,000. Wow. Right.
0: There's got to be some stories <laughs> you can tell of that. No, no, no,
1: <laughs> I'm not going to say what it is, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> and... I didn't even get angry, I didn't get upset at that person, Um, I didn't even email them. It was taken care of, they knew their mistake, they owned up to it, they were very apologetic and we moved on. Um, And that's the thing is I think if you build an environment where people can make mistakes, it's, it's just so good. Because you can actually build an environment that's quite agile people are willing to take risks mm. people are honest they trust you know, they, they really trust you but they're all, also honest and transparent because I'd rather someone come up to me and tell me that they've made a mistake versus trying to hide it under the rug Oh absolutely um, because that will lead to even more dramas, bigger, bigger issues
0: I, I know of cultures that do hold dr- like errors and not share them and therefore then they pass that expectation that cultural standard down to the next people that mm. go under their leadership. Yeah, exactly. And then it just dominoes forward. Mm-hmm. And it's super nasty. Yeah, it's Because super it's all about yeah. not like losing face. You know? mm.
1: So I think mistakes are great. I think mistakes are great. And you want mistakes. Because mistakes is how you learn, right? And if you have a business that makes mistakes and people make mistakes, great. Because they'll feel bad, they'll learn from it, and then they'll make some adjustments to improve it. But if you don't allow it, if you, if you get angry or if you get frustrated or you throw things around because I, I do know people that.
0: <laughs> run not their a name on that one.
1: Sorry. that run their businesses like that, where they're just marching and they throw things around and but that's not how I like to lead. I don't like to make people feel bad mm. um, and guilty. I don't think that's a good approach to leadership. I think you've got to. People know what the standards are, and they know when they fucked up. So you've just got to, you've just got to allow them to do that. Build an environment that allows them to fuck up, but then regroup and assess the situation. Assess, adjust, and become stronger. Because that's how you, that's how you grow. Mm. That's how you really grow.
0: Yeah, I do respect that a lot. So where are you at now? Like, obviously you've gone through these transitions. Where is the business that you have now with? with where where is that going and what's your yeah, thoughts yeah. on moving forward over the next five years? From
1: yeah, it's a good question and look, it's really exciting. Um, I'm actually really optimistic about the future. We're in a space where um, it's taking us in all sorts of ge- geographies around the world. Um, uh, you know, we're working with startups in the US, in, in UK, and because we're on digital platform. There is no limitations. It's just a time zone. Now everyone is on Zoom. So no one, you know, COVID has just accelerated our, we've spoken about it before, but it's moved us five, five years into the future. We can have a meeting with someone in the East Coast and get business that week. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot more speed is like things are happening quick and it's exciting. You don't need to get on a plane and fly and meet and do a presentation and uh, have coffees and lunches you can just get on a zoom call and um, do business and and i love that i love that world i reckon it's amazing it's exciting i mean obviously you've got to tick boxes and you've got to build a relationship but um i think the boundaries you know the boundary thing is gone Mm -hmm. and globalization is happening Um, and because of e-commerce and the growth of e-commerce I find that's really ex- I think you and I both are in the forefront of that in the Perth industry. And yeah, it's it it's still really young. Mm. You know, I think it's a 10% of retail is in Australia is e-commerce. Yes. that's And uh, and, uh, yeah. and yeah. like, can you imagine in five to 10 years' time what, what we will be talking about and, you know, and stuff like that? I
0: think we'll talk about Japanese levels, I think, <laughs> which will be... Um, and the other thing is that
1: we also work with a lot of startups, uh, a lot of innovative companies that are not in the e-commerce space, but are. Mm. And the technologies that are coming into play and sustainable-led type te- technologies and the businesses that we're coming across is really exciting. It's, there's new industries being created, which is you know super exciting. So
0: yeah. Wh- yeah. What? what um, so, <laughs> something you're touching on there, and it's quite interesting. For a service-based industry that we are both in, yeah. When you were talking about like you having to travel a lot, that one has been super expensive. To always having to go over it, so there's been more of an adoption change in regards oh, to massively. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. A lot more trust, a lot more adoption to a digital communication and Zoom calls, and wow. y- you know, and. Um, fluidity and communication, I think. Okay. Massive, massive, yeah, improvement.
0: We, we actually don't do a lot of that, but we should, I probably will start thinking about how we could implement that, because mm. we're still getting, well, actually, there's some there, I guess. So, all right, if that's your future and that's where it's gonna go, it is super interesting to see where this goes in the next couple of years. Especially yeah, yeah, watching yeah. your journey, how you guys are growing and what we're gonna look at doing. We are in discussions of maybe combining events together and doing something special there and that'll be really cool if that comes to be the future of where this goes because i do hold you at high i do hold you in high esteem as out of pws the bonfire fellas zion i don't give a fuck (laughs) like out of all these guys who i've had communications (laughs) with like you're you're probably one of the most humble of them all, and and that humility is very attractive. Like you, you're not you're not throwing around your weight. You're actually trying to meet where they're at, and you're trying to grow them. I'm sure the other guys are too, but you seem to. It's just it's, it's very it's much more obvious with you, and I and I respect you for that in the thing you're doing.
1: Thank, Thank you. Me. It's nice. Day.
0: So. For the people who are listening to you, they, I'm sure there'll be a couple of burnt so I'm hoping they'll come and have a chat with you and your team, but then if they're having to work on this, and we usually finish on a, on a call to action of something that they can work on, if they're trying to build their team, trying to go through this process, based on what we've talked about, what's something that you think they could action today to help build their business and what they're doing? Whether they're an e-commerce business or a... Yeah, an e-commerce business. like. Something, I know I sort of dropped it on you there.
1: Uh, No, look, I think uh, for an e-commerce business, I think you've got to, you're you're building a startup, so you've got to really, um, you've got to build that business as much as you can with your own hands and you've got to do as much as you can, but you will always hit a limit where you're like, you know, you've hit your, your stocking goods in your bedroom or your garage and you need to get into a warehouse like this, right? and you need Jesse, <laughs> Or you'll, 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 the, the Facebook campaigns are taking up two hours of your day, and you can't manage it anymore, and you don't know how to scale it. Or, you know, you've got career issues, or you've got customer service issues. So you'll hit capacity in different levels of your business. Sure. And that's when you need to really take the plunge and get partners and people involved um, that can lift your business to the next level.
0: Mm, well say. Ez, thank you so much for coming on and sharing Glide it's been an absolute pleasure no worries buddy take thank care you. guys Good see you later hey guys thanks so much for checking out this podcast here with Ez now next one coming up we've got is Jai who's going to be sharing about creating great content for building e-commerce brands check it out and have a great day